service is going to have a number of different elements in it, and I think you'll feel that it moves along fairly quickly. And one element that won't be in this service is a sermon. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> this service will be, it's going to be one that you will participate in every step of the way. Um, and while you're going to participate, I promise that we're not going to make you do anything weird or hopefully uncomfortable for you. Everything that we're going to do today could be done in your own mind and heart quietly. Um, we're going to start our corporate time um, of, of liturgy with an affirmation of our faith. And we want to do that because from the very beginning of the revolution of Jesus, the writers uh, of Scripture, the, the church leaders, believed that it was not only important for believers to have faith, but to place that faith in the God accurately described in the Scriptures. And they were also concerned that young converts might stray from the truth of God described in the Scriptures and fall prey to false teaching heresy. Throughout the history of the church, leaders of the church would convene at times of conflict about doctrine. And after careful study of the Bible, discussion, church leaders would write a creedal statement um, which clarified the particular point of doctrine over which the controversy arose. And then it was used in churches to teach believers correct doctrine. And one of those creedal statements is called the Nicene Creed. The Nicene Creed was written in the year 325, and it is named the Nicene Creed because it was the product of a council that met in a city called Nicaea, which is in modern-day Turkey. And this particular council was convened in part because a man named Arius was teaching that Jesus wasn't God. Jesus was just a son born of God, not God himself. And so let's, let's read this statement together. And as we do that, I want you to pay special attention to how much this creed takes very, very special care to articulate clearly what the Bible teaches about Jesus Christ, the Messiah. So let's read together. The words will be on the screen. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. He became incarnate from the Virgin Mary, and was made man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. 
we look for the resurrection of the dead and in the life of the world to come. Amen. We're going to do a responsive reading that exalts Jesus Christ above everything. And so um, this particular piece that we're going to read was written in the 18th century by Charles Wesley, who was an English leader of the Methodist movement with his brother John. I think it's important that we use old works like this from time to time so that we're reminded that Christianity is not a, a new thing, a modern thing, or a passing fad, but instead it has a long history. And we stand upon the shoulders of many generations of Christians, many of whom have given their lives for the sake of the revolution of Jesus Christ that we continue today. And so I'm going to read the parts marked with P for pastor, and you read together the parts marked with a C. That's the congregation. So, Jesus, the name high over all in hell or earth or sky, angels and men before it fall, and devils fear and fly. Jesus, the name to sinners dear, the name to sinners given, it scatters all their guilty fear. It turns their hell to heaven. Oh, that the world might taste and see the riches of his grace. The arms of love that welcome me would all mankind embrace. His righteousness alone I show, his saving grace proclaim. This is my work on earth below, to cry, behold the Lamb. Happy if with my final breath I may but gasp his name. Preach him to all and cry in death. Christ Jesus is the Lamb. You may be seated. We're going to take a moment and read from God's Word. And I'm going to be reading from Psalm 51. And the Psalms have historically been referred to as the school of prayer. They are prayers written by inspired individuals. And for thousands of years... God's people have looked to the Psalms as a vital part of learning how to speak to him, how to put words to the emotions that oftentimes we don't know what the words are. Every bit of emotion can be found in the Psalms, and there is a way to speak to God in any emotion. And so as we read from Psalm 51 this morning, I invite you to make these not just words that are being read from the Bible. Don't allow this to just be someone reading words on a screen that you can find later. Let these be a prayer. Let these words be your personal expression to God of your heart. Even if you don't know that it's exactly where you're at right this moment. God is honored by faith in saying, I want these to be my words. I want this to be my heart. Lord, make me like this. So, I'm going to read and I invite you to pray with me. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions, my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you're right in your verdict and justified when you judge. 
Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness, even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I'll be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Amen. The first commandment of the Ten Commandments was that we are to have no gods before God. And yet, we make things more important than God all the time. We turn good things into ultimate things. Idols that we cling to for the security, the control, the peace the sense of meaning in life that really only God provides. And so I'm going to read a prayer in portions with a short break in between thoughts. And if you feel anything that I read applies to you, just repeat that quietly to yourself, not out loud. Just to yourself, if something I say applies to you, just go ahead and let's pray about it. So, let's pray. Father in heaven... I have sinned. I have turned good things into ultimate things and trusted in idols instead of trusting in you alone. Go ahead and take a moment and name your idols specifically. I confess that my trust in these idols has caused me to be, and now I'm going to read a list of behaviors that are byproducts of idolatry. And if you hear one that applies to you, just confess it. So I confess that my trust in these idols has caused me to be anxious, angry, controlling, unloving, Neglectful of the needs of the people I love. Arrogant. Depressed. Overly sensitive to criticism. Self-obsessed. Critical. Cynical. Mean-spirited. A gossip. Addicted. Fearful. Unforgiving. Thankless discontent, adulterous, lustful, greedy, unmerciful, insensitive. Go ahead and take a moment and confess any other sins that weren't mentioned that are a byproduct of idolatry. Father, instead of repenting, 
I've often excused my behavior. I've rationalized it. I've blamed others for it. Or I've ignored it. But today I bring all of these idols and the sins associated with them to the cross of Christ. And I lay them down there. I repent of my wrongly placed trust. Lord, I want to trust in you and you alone. I want to tear these idols down. And to demonstrate my repentance, I will, you fill in the blank, express to Jesus right now something specific you could do to aid in tearing down these particular idols in your life. Jesus, I believe that no amount of penance, no amount of good deeds, no amount of wallowing in guilt or shame would be an acceptable payment for my sins. And so I trust in you, Lord Jesus Christ, and I believe your death on the cross in my place was sufficient, and that the penalty for my sins has been paid in full. Thank you for your forgiveness, Father, through the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Ushers, go ahead and come forward and begin distributing the elements for communion. And, and while those trays are going by and before we get into a time of communion, I just want to mention a couple of things. And one of them I want to mention specifically because some of the things that we just prayed about um, pertain to this. And, and for the last couple weeks, we've had these cards um, either handed out or in the pews. We mentioned them last week. Um, these cards mention a ministry called 423 Communities. And it exists for men and women who are battling unpure sexual behavior. And so whether that is pornography or um, any other variety of sexual addiction, these are communities that are anonymous people in the faith that are meeting together to battle just a, an unbelievable idol that is everywhere in our culture. Um, it is so difficult to escape the grasp of pornography. It, it is everywhere. And, and so we want to say as a church that, you know, it's okay to not be okay. It's just not okay to stay that way. And so if you are struggling, don't let shame and guilt run your life anymore. It's a vicious, vicious cycle. And like we just prayed, Jesus has paid everything and shame does not have to run your world anymore. And so there is hope, there is freedom, but you're not going to find it all by yourself. And so if this is something that you're dealing with, there's a number, there's an email on this card. It's completely anonymous. Um, we work with an organization out of Oregon that, that runs it, that facilitates it. And so names are not shared. It, it really is just 
we want a resource available for you to seek help if that's something that you need. And so um, take a card for you or your friend or someone you know that might benefit from it and um, give a call, send a text, send an email, and um, pursue help. So the other thing that I would say is we have our Welcome to City lunch happening after our 11 o'clock service today. Next week, after our 11 o'clock service, we have an all-church lunch. And um, I think you should be there because you'll get to see all of our church, and that's fun to be with them. You'll also get to hear from our staff, from Jeff and I, about things that are coming up with City Church that we are really, really excited about, things that we want to celebrate as, um, as a body. And so I get to share stories from time to time up here. I get to share stories personally, um, and we want to share what's going on with City Church and let you hear um, just a lot of cool stuff that God is doing in his people here. And so... Um, it's not just a free lunch, it's a chance to be with your church, it's a chance to hear and celebrate what God is doing in his church here um, at City Church. So I hope to see you there. Now, you have elements of communion in front of you, and I want to share something that is from 1 John. And in his first chapter, he says, this is the message we've heard from him and declare to you, God is light in him, there's no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. However, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That's what we just prayed together. That we cannot free ourselves. And we would be lying if we said that we were not sinful people. Right? We are selfish. We are, are, are focused on ourselves, our own wants, our needs. We put those above other people. We avoid pain at all costs. And yet, God deeply, deeply loves us. And he did not leave us to stay as we are. And John is writing that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and purify us from unrighteousness. And John is saying that as a guy that was at the table right next to Jesus. When Jesus took the cup after his last supper, and he said, this is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for the forgiveness of sins. This is not just an idea that John and his friends developed. This is taken directly from Jesus. That Jesus would go to a cross on our behalf. That he would die, that he would shed his blood. But it was not just an act of misery. It was an act of freedom on our behalf. That through his blood, in believing in him, we can be made clean. We can be purified. We can be freed from guilt, shame, fear. And so while when we remember the Lord's Supper together, we, we grieve, we confess all the ways that we fall short, we also get to celebrate and hold on to joy that is made available in Jesus. Because all of the ways that we fall short have been taken care of. All of the ways that, that we are, are deserving of punishment, we've been cleared. 
And so we come confessing our sin. But in confessing, we also do it, we do it with joy because we know that God is faithful and he cleanses us of unrighteousness when we do. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for being a God who forgives. Thank you for cleansing us of unrighteousness. Lord, we've confessed our idols, and Lord, there are idols that we don't even know because we're, we're still stuck trying to justify them or ignoring them or blaming other people for them. God, would you make our hearts clean? Lord, we acknowledge that we, we've really made a mess of this thing. But we also acknowledge that you have made a beautiful new creation of this mess. Lord, may that happen in our hearts. Lord, may we fully believe in you. May we trust in you. May you assure us of your grace, of your mercy, of your forgiveness. Would you let us know the feeling of being clean? Amen.